So, so that's my little daughter. And um, that is what she is like all the time. That is my Becca Boo. She's uh, four, uh, going on 16. And uh, she's had this really incredible habit since summer day camp. Um, summer day camp was a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and my little work office is kind of right beneath her bedroom. And so what's been happening is it sounded like dinosaurs are being attacked by asteroids above me. <laughs> and so what happens is I sneak upstairs and, and I hear echoing from my daughter's room all these summer day camp songs. And she is just singing, and she is dancing, and I would peek in the door, and she did this for a whole week. And all of her stuffed animals are lined up along her bed and her baby dolls, and they're all set up. And, and so we, I didn't say a word, and, and so I knew I was going to be preaching on worship. And here's my little daughter, Becca, who's singing words to, we worship God, we lift him up, and, and, and some... God bless her little heart. She's, she's kind of saying some of the wrong words sometimes, and it's like she's even butchering the songs, but it's this beautiful thing where she's praising God. And not only that, as you saw, some of you saw when the video first started, she actually had Dumbo and a bunch of the other little Disney characters all lined up, and she said, okay, Dumbo, you sit in the front. Don't let your ears get in front of everybody, and she tucked his ears in. And she was putting together this worship service with baby Sarah, Cinderella, Dumbo, and a couple of other of the neighborhood animals. And I, and I look at that, and so I, I, I asked her, I said, Becca, can I film you doing this? And she's like, okay, Dad. And what's really cool for me as a dad is, is one, our children's ministry is awesome at this church. Um, we can clap for that. And, and the way that they pour into our kids, it's, it's having a tremendous effect, and, and, and I totally credit them for, for that beautiful little image. So I would sneak in, and there's my daughter, praising God. And I remember saying to her, Becca, why are you doing this? Well, because I just felt like I needed to. It wasn't because Daddy needed a sermon illustration. In fact, when I was filming her, she was like, can you get out now? (laughs) And she kind of shooed me and then turned the volume up and, and went on worshiping God. And what I really love about that is, is my little Becca Boo, sassy as she can be, she gets worship more than me. I think she understands worship in the way that God desires for us to worship him. It's not because she had to. It's not because I drug her to church. But it was because it's all she could do in that moment. She felt this desire to worship God. So she did. She didn't let me stop her by saying, well, you have to wait till we get to church. She just did it. She worshiped God. Yesterday, I had the privilege of participating in a wedding for uh, a couple. These, these guys have been dating since they were, like, in middle school. Uh, Joseph and uh, Santoro and, and Nora Hoban. I've known them for a very long time. They, grew, they were in my youth group. And so it was really cool to see this union. But I, I co-officiated this wedding with Jay Passivant, who's a pastor at another church here, and was, was a pastor here at another church in Pittsburgh. And he said something that was incredible to me because he didn't know on I was preaching on worship today. But he said at the beginning of the wedding ceremony, he said, this is a worship service. And as I began to think about that, there's there's so much truth to that, that worship is not something that we just do here in this room and everybody else in the world who does it at a different time and in a different place and a different style, they're wrong. Worship is something so much bigger than what we've boxed it down to. This past week on Facebook, I asked 
I asked some folks, I said, what, what is worship to you? And I, and I got some really good answers. I got some really answers that made me really pray for people. Um, and, and so a couple of the answers that I got, one came from one of my former students. His name's R.Y. Cope. He comes to this church. Uh, he's currently a ministry student. He might even be here right now. But he, he summarized the entire next two weeks of our sermons. He said, worship is submission and aware, awareness, praise, and communion, both with other people worshiping and God, uh, the God that we worship. Uh, another person said, uh, it's, it's actually Melissa Weaver, but I told her I wouldn't say her name, um, said, acknowledging the greatness and supremacy of God and praising him because of who he is. One of my old mentors said that worship should be our all-time attitude. I love that. And then my friend Carol Nix made this statement. She said, worship is our whole lives. Otherwise, it isn't anything. And she's not talking about worship on that second statement. Our lives without worship are really nothing. I don't care how good you are and how well you have lived. If you are living a life without worship, you're missing it. And so over the next two weeks, the services are going to look really weird. Some of you are walking in right now going, holy cow, did I miss that much of the service? Nope. We're doing it in a different order today. Because we want to demonstrate to you as a church that the way that we do worship is just, it's the way that we do worship. The way that we do worship, we pull from the word of God, but the order that it's in sometimes, that's not really the thing that counts. So this morning, we're going to do the sermon. We're going to worship through the word of God. And then after the sermon, we're going to worship through stating a creed. And after worshiping in that way, we're going to have songs, which we call genuinely worship. And a lot of times, we only think the way to worship is through songs. But the reality of it is, is all of our life is worship. A guy named Brother Lawrence, who is this very old monk, has a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And he talks about living each of our days as a prayer to God, as an act of worship. And I think that's beautiful. And so when you look at worship, it really breaks down into two categories. The first category that worship breaks down to is personal and private and, and how we as individuals worship God. Romans 12.1 says to us that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that this is our spiritual act of worship. And Pastor Jared is going to do a great job of talking to you about that next week. Because this week... We're going to talk about the other way that worship breaks down. And that's corporate worship. And, and I know a lot of times we can look at the institution of the church and say they've really messed up here, they've really messed up here. But the reality of it is the church, us, the people over there, the people in other churches this morning that are worshiping biblically, we're the body of Christ. We are the church. The air conditioning unit in this building is not the church. The walls are not the church. We, as the people, we are the functioning bride of Christ. Do you get that? You are the children of God. And I don't care whether we're in this building or we're out to dinner somewhere. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also, says the Lord. And so when we're together, maybe it's at a Cracker Barrel on a Friday morning at 6 o'clock. Maybe it's playing on a baseball team with a group of guys or golfing. When we're delighting in the Lord and we're speaking about the Lord and we're, we're worshiping God with our lives, we're having church. Amen? Church isn't 
restricted to this box that we put it in. Do you get that? Church isn't restricted. Worship isn't restricted to just music. It's not just restricted to, to the words that we put on it. Because the Bible actually tells us very detailed what corporate worship is. What we're supposed to do as a body of believers. Listen to me. There is a popular trend in our society right now going around that says, Oh, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Have you heard this? And, and while I can really appreciate the message of, of kind of what those guys are trying to say, that is wrong. Because the church is the bride of Christ. And the Bible commands us as believers to come together and to corporately, corporate meaning all of us, to worship together, to bring our praises to God, to sing songs to God, to preach the word, to read the scriptures aloud. Amen. And, and so we can't, as the church, surrender that. The reality is I met with a couple of guys that, that were students of mine, and they were saying, I'm, you know, we really, we're buying into that. Like, we want nothing to do with the church. The church has been this. The church has been that. It has messed up in so many areas, and, and the church is this. So we got a group of guys. We're going to get together, and we're going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to do, do some worship stuff, and we're just going to completely separate ourselves from the church. And I'm going, guys, wait. You're creating a church. Because according to Scripture, when two or more gather in His name, it's church. It's worship. The problem that we have gotten into in our nation today is we get set in our own styles and preferences, and instead of understanding what the Bible says about worship, we start telling everybody else that they're wrong. Listen to me. Do you know how to worship? What we do in Wilson Hall is how to worship. Do you know that? But listen to me. What they do in the sanctuary is how to worship. What Triumph Baptist up the road is doing, it's worship. What the three or four people who maybe can't get enough gas in their car to go to church this morning and they're hanging out at their house and sitting in a cup of coffee and they're praying and, and maybe singing, it's worship. Do you get that? See, God has called us to come together and to corporately worship him. He has called us to privately worship him. And at no point did he say you should do one or the other. It's both. We are commanded by God to always be worshiping him, to, to personally, to privately be worshiping him. And Pastor Jared's going to talk about that next week. But listen to me, church. If you are not participating in a body of believers, you are missing out on the blessing of being the bride of Christ. He desires for us to be together. I, I actually created a, a, a big uh, Rolodex of scripture for you this morning that backs up what I'm saying. And if you would like a copy of that, you can put your hand up right now. The ushers will bring you a copy. Or you can just grab a copy as you walk out the door. But on this little thing, it has all kinds of scriptures about what worship is. And worship is, is a beautiful thing. And I want to be very clear. If you hear me refer to the music later as worship, I'm, I'm counting what we're doing right now as worship as well. Everybody nod your head if you understand what I'm saying. Every part of this church service is worship. In Colossians 3.16 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So church, corporate worship is to be a time of teaching. That means that 10 o'clock hour in between services, where we call it Christian education, guess what? That's worship. 
Whether you're listening to Ted Wood or Ray Abel or, or, or you're going to, to, to uh, Jenkins' class over there, that is worship. When you are devoting yourself to learning the Word of God, the Scripture tells us that that form of corporate worship is not only required, it's beautiful to God. It then goes on in that same Scripture passage to say that when we get together, we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts for God. Did it say we should only sing psalms? Did it say that we should only sing hymns? Did it say that we should only sing spiritual songs? No. This is what I love about the Bible. When you really get into it, it's actually quite freeing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I went to a Reformed Presbyterian college where the only thing we did in chapel was sing what's called a psalter. And I'm talking no instruments. And and the only verbiage that we used were literally the psalms out of the Bible. And I'm going to tell you what, it was beautiful. It's not my favorite style to worship in. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is the correct way to worship. I love music by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Don't tell anybody, please. I try to hide that, especially Brad. He's going to think less of me. I do. I I love some of that old country-style southern hymn stuff that, that, to be honest with you, is not everybody's forte. And you know what? That's okay, because according to the Bible, it's still the correct way to worship. I've got these youth group kids that listen to some of these bands that sound like dying cats to me. And and I can't even understand the words of the songs, but the reality of it is, is because the heart in which they're doing it, the lyrics of the songs are right on theologically and they're biblical, and and somehow they can understand it. It is not my preference at all, and I will run the other direction from it, but listen to me. It is worship, whether I like it or not. Dubstep church, as we all know from Easter, can be worship. It may not be everybody's thing, but listen to me. When we look at the Bible about what it says about worship, it actually says nothing about our personal preferences, and it leaves a lot of room for hymns, spiritual songs, which can be like praise and worship songs and hill song and things like that, and the Psalms. Would you fall over dead if Brad got up here and like a Gregorian chant just began to chant the Psalms? That might be weird for us, but the reality of it is, it is worship. Because God has called us to corporately worship him together, all right? And we all like our certain flavors, but it doesn't make us better than anybody else. Do you understand what I'm saying with that? Jesus is going to get into this in a minute, and it's really good. I want to keep reading. Hebrews 10.25 says this, uh, Don't stop meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. See, we are called to meet corporately together as a body of believer. We are called to read the scriptures. We are called to worship God through songs. We are called to continually do this. I had a conversation with a friend this past week, and and, and in the statement he said, I can't wait till Sunday. That's a guy who gets worship. Because that's how we should be. We should be excited about coming to worship God because the reality of it is, is worship is not anything to do with us. A lot of times we come to church with this mindset that we come here to simply get fed. And if you're doing that, you're a spiritual sucker. (laughs) Think about how I mean that. Because you're just eating and eating and eating and eating and sucking in. But the reality of it is, when we come to church, it's not about us, really. When we come to church, it's not about what we get. It should be about what we bring. 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, you can be struggling with something. You can be sick. And if you bring that to God in a prayer request, it's worship. If, if you have an addiction that you need to hand over to God and, and maybe you need to get to church because you know that God will help you, it is worship when you hand that over to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes we confuse church with just being a place where we get when really it's a place where we're supposed to bring. Romans 12.1 says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. When we're here, it's not about the people around you. Brad, what was it you told me earlier? I can't forget the verbiage, and I want to say it right, about don't let the flesh, don't let your flesh dictate how you worship. That is such a good word. And what that means is, is like for years, it went during the song set, I, I would stand there afraid to raise my hands because I didn't want people to think that I was worshiping to impress them. So instead of being free to worship, I allowed myself to become a slave to my own stupidity. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, when you're worshiping, if, if, if God puts it on your heart to raise your hands, do it if it's in his spirit. If God calls you to be the grumpy guy, as I refer to him, there's always this guy in churches who stands there like this during worship. And this is where he lives. This is what he does. But if in his heart he is having a genuine moment with God, you get your grumpy on because you're worshiping God. It doesn't matter what I think, and it doesn't matter what you think. Part of the reason why we darken the lights when we sing is because we don't want you looking at anything other than that. Because the only thing that matters in this building is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He died for all the broken, messed up stuff that we have going on, and he loves us. And I don't know about you, but one day when we go to heaven, we're all going to be worshiping together. Whether you're a dubstep Christian, whether you're a Hillsong-type style Christian, whether you like hymns or the Psalter, Jesus tells the woman at the well in our verse today, it doesn't matter where you worship, because one day we're going to all worship together anyway. So you're going to have to listen to Bill and Gloria Gaither, people. Let me read this to you. Thank you. Somebody's out there feeling love. I am never going to hear the end of this. <clears throat> Let me read to you a scripture. In John 4, there's this beautiful story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Now, we all, maybe you know this story, maybe you don't, but the gist of the story is, is you've got this really uh, friendly lady who who, because of the nature of the time of day she's even out at the well, basically she's pretty bad. She's considered bad. Okay? She's sinful. Jesus actually calls her out on her sin, and she says something about her husband, and Jesus is like, you don't got a husband, you got five. And she says, okay, you're right. And he says, you know what, but God's grace can cover that. And they have this conversation where, where her and Jesus begin to speak, and I love where the conversation goes because the woman recognizes who, begins to recognize that Jesus is somebody important, that he comes from God, and this is how this conversation goes. So if you have your Bible, turn to John 4. Uh, they have it on the screen behind me too. Uh, so I'm going to read. Uh, the woman at the well says, Sir, uh, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So if you attend Christ Church and you think that we're the first church to ever have an issue with whether you worship in Sanctuary or Wilson Hall, let me tell you something. That's been happening since the time of Jesus. Do you realize that? This is not a new thing. And I love Jesus' response because he gets his, like, I'm, I'm a Jew comment in there, and he lets them know, like, well, we Jews worship the right way. And he is Jesus, so if you try to argue with Jesus, you're going to lose. 
You can do it, but it's not going to end well. So they're debating about worship. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, she says, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know. Jesus is talking about worshiping God. He says, uh, we worship the Father. In, oh, excuse me. Yet a time is coming when the... Tr- uh, I messed that up real bad. You're, uh, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And Jesus is actually speaking of himself right there. Yet a time is coming, and has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. See, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know, Messiah. This guy called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And so Jesus looked at her and he said, I am that guy. And so in this moment, Jesus forever puts to death the argument. Well, I worship to hymns, or I worship to this. Because the reality of it is, is the Bible is very clear to us on what corporate worship is to be. For those of you that grab my scripture passages there, as you'll see it as plain as day on there, that, that this corporate worship time is first something we do in obedience to God. Because we are called by God to be his bride, and we are called by God to worship together him. There's so many benefits from being here, and the scriptures back it up, that we are here to admonish, to teach, to preach, to read the scripture, to weep with one another, to praise God together. There's so many benefits from being a part of the body of Christ. And so the Bible verses that I read you earlier back that up. We're called to sing songs. I don't care if you sound like a dying dog. It's not about how you sound to us. You, you howl at the moon for the Lord because you're not singing to me. You're not singing to Brad or to the people around you. You are singing out to God. And he said joyful noise, not beautiful song, amen? And so you make that noise because it's not about us. It's about bringing ourselves every week to this place to worship God. So we worship God through sermons, through classes, through educating ourselves. We worship God through bringing our stuff to him, our prayer requests, by sharing other people with him. We're called as a church to do these things. We're not called to simply squabble over music styles and preferences. Because as Jesus just tells this woman, there's going to be a day when we're all going to worship in heaven anyways. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I I really am. There's not going to be squabbling about preferences because the focus is going to be on this. And this is what I love about my little daughter because I think she got this. And as I think of the wedding that I was at this week and and the funerals that I've done for Christians where it's a worship service, they're worship services because they're done in the right spirit. When you come in this building, you can come into this building and you can sing beautifully for the Lord. You can raise your hand so that everybody sees how good of a Christian you are. You can do all that stuff and never worship God. But grumpy guy can stand there and if his heart, as it says in John, is in the right spirit, if his heart is filled with the spirit, God is worshipped. So corporately, we're not here to impress one another. We're here to worship God. And in a couple moments, we're going to keep doing that. 
We've been doing that right now. And corporately, we're going to sing songs, we're going to say some creeds, and we're going to pray. And I want you to know, all of that is worship. We're going to do our tithes and offerings, and, and, and that is all worship. Do you get that this morning? Are you following what I'm saying? We are called to be the bride of Christ. Next week, we're going to talk about what that looks like for each of us as individuals. But we're not called to be separated. We're called for community as believers. Do you realize that? And if we're going to be obedient to God, we need to be in fellowship with other believers. And and maybe that's here at Christ Church, and if it is, fantastic. We love you, and we're glad you're here. But if it's not, let us help you find a good church. I'm committing to that. I want to make sure that we're worshiping together, because one day we're going to get to worship together anyway. Amen? And and what, what is important is that you're able to come to a place where you can honestly not care about everything else and say, God, this morning is about you. This morning is about me coming together with the Lacornu, father and son. It's me coming together with the people over here and the people over here. And it's me coming together with the people over here and, and, and proclaiming your awesomeness. We're called to that. We are called to worship God through being together in services, in classes like youth group, children's ministry. We are called to be a body of believers. And it's funny because you're all here today, and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But we're glad you're here. But I want you to know, if you love Jesus, you can't hate the church. What happens is, is when we love Jesus and we say we hate the church, really what we're doing is we're surrendering the church. And may it be said of us, Christ Church, that we're never going to surrender the church to anything. Because we are the bride of Christ. We have... We have a beautiful Anglican uh, tradition that we, that we worship from. We're able to, to say prayers that, that have been said for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, some people may say, well, that's stale or that's old. No, that's our heritage. It's, it's where we've come from. When we think about worshiping in the style of communion, this is something that Jesus Christ himself started. We have a beautiful heritage that we come from. And and it is something that we need to embrace. It may taste a little different at times. But I'm going to tell you guys, if the word of God tells us that this way to worship is correct, that we're not to give up on meeting together, that we're to preach and that we're to teach, we're to sing songs and hymns and praises, if we're doing worship the way that the Bible says, and we worship with that heart that Jesus talks about, that spirit-filled worship, We are going to see God do amazing, amazing things. And I believe he already is. And I thank God for every single one of you. So as we continue to worship this morning, I pray that you would join me. And and, and not focusing on what's around you, I pray that you would join me in, in worshiping a God who just loves us so much, who is incredible. Won't you pray with me? Father, we love you. And as I think about Carol Nix's statement that worship is our whole lives, it is God. Without the worship of you, we are nothing. We're empty. We're we're unfulfilled. And so, God, I pray that as we continue to worship you right now, I pray that you would receive these moments from us as a gift, as a sacrifice. That we're recognizing, Lord, that this is not about us right now. It's not about what we can get. 
But it's about us bringing ourselves to you. And, and Lord, just receive this. We love you and we thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you. I think of the church in China, who they're doing this very same thing as we speak. And God, they face death. They face imprisonment for doing it. And they're not afraid. So I thank you for my freedom that I have to be able to do this, Lord Jesus, that you have given to us. And we pray, God, that you will bless our brothers and sisters across the world as today and maybe last night or whenever, God. The time, the time to worship you is always. So we pray that you would bless that and keep that, Lord Jesus. Receive this worship. In your name we pray.